Salutation Shades, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for all things strange and unusual, Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D, and we're super excited to be coming back to give you a fantastic episode on all things strange and unusual with government paranormal projects. We're wrapping up the end of the, the month talking about these things. I've been super excited. I really enjoyed our, our episode that we had with the guys from Infinite Rabbit Hole. Yeah, they're a pretty good group. You should go by and check out their stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for for the so in our last episode, we didn't get a ch- we're not going to go over the comments with them because we always want to give you guys some time to be able to comment. We'll go over the comments. Uh, so make sure that you guys are putting comments on there. Leave some comments here, and we'll we'll make sure that we get to them all uh, within the next episode. But what about the video before that? Oh, the video before that, absolutely, where we talked about Nazi werewolves. And before we get into that, I'd like to point out that my Aqua Zumba instructor today specifically pointed <laughs> out that my shimmy is getting better. So that doesn't heads make up, you guys. that doesn't make you sound cooler. What are you talking about? What's what's what could be cooler than a dude who can shimmy? My Aqua Zumba instructor <laughs> said that my shimmy looked good. <laughs> I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on Man. it. <laughs> Sad. Man, I'm doing super pretty. Uh, I actually uh, I no longer work at the hospital either. Uh, that you know, I put in my two weeks notice, so I'm getting to move on to a new job from that. That's then. So, right, guys. Yes. Both of us have left the hospital and moved on to new things. <laughs> so that's been like a new uh, a stress relief now for me that I don't do that. But I'm super excited where I'm going to now. I'm still working within kind of like the field of mental health. Like I, you know, I I, I haven't left. I've just gone to work on for a new nonprofit. So, but again, I don't want to drop the name in it too. But it, it's hard for me to leave. You know working in mental health because of how, you know, much that I care about the topic. So pulling up our, our comments from those last episode, but we're going to, what alcohol are we drinking now? I'm pulling up the comments. Cause I forgot to pull those up for the episode. Today I was walking through, uh, Ellie took me to like kind of this organic marketplace with a lot of health food. And I just immediately went over to the beers. <laughs> <laughs> So like I'm a health food store. I need to find something unhealthy. So I, I was well. She was like picking out like random vegan stuff to eat. <laughs> I got myself a whole selection of beers they had there, and this one that we're drinking today is called Little King's Cream Ale. And I'm pretty sure it's probably not good for us, which means it's perfect for us. I like how you're like, all right, fine. You can take me to the health food store, but I'm gonna find the most unhealthy thing for me there and get it. Yeah, of course. But, yeah, the weird thing about these is the bottles are freaking tiny. You get a bunch of bottles, but they're like little bitty glass bottles. Like my hands, which are already pretty big, look like freaking giant hands grasping this thing. It's freaking nuts. Um, I did try one earlier. They were pretty good. I'm hoping Marcus also likes them. Mm-hmm. But we'll get his opinion here in a second. I know yeah. it's not as valuable as mine, but, you know. We're gonna give him a chance to speak, anyways. Yes. All right. Uh, pop me over one of those. Pop, pop me over one of those alcohol. Oh, things, we're, I'm, I'm, we're I'm already. I'm, I'm, I'm already ready to get. Man, I'm telling you, I'm, I, you know, I'm 
I'm free from my previous job. I'm ready. I'm recording so a podcast for you guys today. I'm ready to get into this over now. over the audio equipment? No, around the audio equipment. <laughs> trying to just try my awesome audio equipment. I'm on to you. Okay, pop in mine. And cheers, guys. All right, cheers. Cheers to new work. Awesome. All right, Britton Talkin said, there's a non-occult depiction of post-war werewolves. The Young Werewolves, directed by Sam Fuller. I did not know that that there's one of the, that there's a movie about these guys. I would love to see that. Hmm? Uh, Nighthawk patron, congrats on the new equipment, guys. Uh, you sound a lot better now. Also, I immediately thought of Call of Duty when you brought up Nazi zombies. <laughs> Maybe Call of Duty Black Ops was more historically accurate than we thought. LOL. I haven't played it. Is it good? Yeah, no, yeah. Call of Duty Black Ops, absolutely. Yeah, there's whole there's something um, the not you fight Nazi zombies. I'm pretty sure, like in one of the the levels or something like that from back in the day. I'm pretty sure if they wanted to take it up a level, fighting Nazi werewolves would probably <laughs> make it even more difficult for you to be fighting some of those things. The only Nazi busting game I've ever played was like the old school original Wolfenstein. <laughs> Oh, dude! Oh my! I can only imagine, like, if you're a U.S. soldier having to go against one of the, like Nazi werewolves, I would have to honestly see. I imagine it would be kind of like the the scene from uh, Starship Troopers, like right before they land on the planet to fight the bugs. They're like, "All right, we're going into the first wave against Nazi werewolves." <laughs> That's okay. Just more Nazi werewolves for us to kill. <laughs> it's like you land on this ground, you kill anything with a German accent. <laughs> Let's walk around with too much hair. Like, whenever you, like, land on that planet. Oh, goodness. <laughs> Creepy California superfan said, I love this. I wonder if you guys ever heard Nazi uh, heard of Nazi Ranch in North California. I've heard it was built during the war by some Nazi sympathizers. Uh, I 100% believe that. Uh, I think when he, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize, like, the, the kind of support that the Nazis had in America before World War II. There were some uncomfortable parades going on. Oh, yeah. There was a surprisingly high amount of people that empathized with the Nazis early on. Mm-hmm. But that kind of faded around the time when they started sinking, like, U.S. vessels going across. <laughs> it, kind of, it kind of eroded, and now it ended up becoming uh, something very fringe. But, for, no, I, I'd, I'd never heard of that camp. I hadn't heard of it. I hadn't heard of it. You know, I've heard all, like, all the, the rumors that, like, the Nazis ended up, like, in Ar- the either in Antarctica or in Argentina. Or the moon. Or the moon. the moon. Or the moon. Uh, Izzy28 says, you guys sound great. I always leave a like for you guys. I thought you guys covered Nazis' mystic weapons like the bell. Uh, and I thought you guys had covered Nazi mystic weapons like the bell that they had supposedly. I forgot what they what it did exactly. <laughs> uh, or am I mistaken? Should I go back and re-listen to your... I should go back and listen to your older videos. 100%. Uh, yeah, we did a video over the Nazi bell sometime, I believe, in season two or three. I think it was in three, but mm-hmm. don't quote me on that. And by the way, we think you sound amazing as well. Uh-huh, we do. Um, I definitely go back and watch some of those because you find uh, a lot of it. We had a whole argument about what we thought it did. But as far as like what it did, that was kind of the argument that we had during the video as to what exactly it did. Oh, yeah. If you like the videos where me and Marcus argue, it's a good one to go back and watch. <laughs> because some people think that it's either like, an early spaceship from like that that we were trying to that the Nazis were trying to make, or it was like alien technology, or possibly what that point that I made in the video was that it was uh, it was early 
uh, like rocket technology, like early like nuclear rocket technology. Um, but yeah, I definitely would go back and check that episode out. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> Laughing Fox patron said, first off, Marcus, I know you know about the get a Fenris, so don't like, don't, you, <laughs> so don't you act like skinhead werewolves are a new fear. <laughs> that is a world of darkness reference. Thank you very much. Laughing Fox. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did know that they were a real thing in that. So that that's kind of true. I, I after we did the episode, I I, I I realized that that was the inspiration, I think, for the Get of Fenris, like from the world of dark, like world of like world of darkness role playing games, because me and Vic are nerds like that. Actually, a few episodes ago, when Marcus yeah. pointed out that we knew Laughing Fox outside of here, I actually did not realize who it was, and he mm-hmm. had to tell me later off the air. And hey, man, I hope you're doing great. Mm-hmm. I know it's been a long time since we've hung out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think y'all pretty much. I think well, the thing is, I I didn't realize how much rooted in tr- rooted in possible truth this idea actually was. So yeah, now I'm a little bit more worried that there might actually be like legit skinhead werewolves out there that we have to worry about. I really hope not. <laughs> I hope not too. Uh, I think y'all pretty much nailed it. The Nazis pretty much invented the modern the model of propaganda. Uh, they understood how to harness zeitgeist and yoke it into their ends. In my opinion, their approach to collecting mystical artifacts was more or less, if it's a reality, amazingly an amazing game changer. Um, if it isn't, it's still useful because of the psychological impact that had on their soldiers and civilians as well as enemies. Power perceived is power achieved. After all, they stole symbolism from all over the, uh, from all over the eagle, the swastika, and the dozens of others that I'm forgetting, uh, all cooped and twisted in an effort to provoke. The power they had in the minds of people move brilliant as it is despicable. I was actually very surprised by how much they borrowed from India. Mm-hmm. That that actually caught me off guard, and like how much they um, put stock into a lot of the very old school Japanese beliefs. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I th- I think something that that they tip that they really did was they understood how to use. The paranormal in a modern in the modern era. I think that that was something that they that they that they did in a very effective dis, dis but like Laughing Fox in a despicable way because they're oh, yeah. terrible, awful people. Terrible. And if you listen to our if you listen to our stuff and you're a Nazi, we don't we don't want you to listen to our stuff. <laughs> Please stop listening now. But we do want you to make better decisions. So that was a lot of wee, but oh yeah. <laughs> I do want you to make better decisions, but I still don't like you. But that's how it is. <laughs> oh, so, oh, something I wanted to tell you, uh, Vic, that I didn't. Did you know? Did you realize that SpaceX? Uh, they re, they re, they. I was going to talk about that. The, I read in an article that SpaceX uh, just launched four astronauts for NASA to the International Space Station. Really? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So Elon Musk and SpaceX are now actually like the official taxi service for the for the astronaut <laughs> for astronauts going to space. And uh, something that I thought that was really interesting was when they did this, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's like a live feed all the time from the National Space Station that it cut out several times during their journey to the International Space Station. Was it conveniently timed with anything interesting? With some possible UFO, unusual UFO activity that was going on? It seems that uh, they have a lot of, you know, technical issues when there's weird stuff going on Mm -hmm. in the background. I wanted to bring that up since, uh, since... that just happened. Like if this is the first time that you guys are checking out. It's actually very common for the International Space Station uh, uh, feed to just get cut whenever there's a UFO sighting that's going on up there. So, what, what do you think about the Little Kings? Now the that little, you have oh, the Little Kings. 
I mean, they're a good little. I mean, it's a good little ale. I mean, I like it a lot. Oh yeah, it has that. It has a really sharp taste to mm-hmm. it, and I'm all about it. What I want to know is, what do you think that like it was like for Elon Musk to? Because he probably had to get told about stuff about space. How much do you want to bet that they had to t- that they had to, that the U.S. got? Because again, they probably did this because it was cheaper for Elon Musk and SpaceX to do this. So at some point, if you're going to do this to save money, what information do you think that they would have had to have told him? They probably would have given him the minimal amount of information combined with the maximum <laughs> amount of threats if he discloses it. Like, all right, you're going to see stuff that's up there. You better keep your mouth shut, and we will buy all of your weed for the rest of your life. Like, I can just I mean, see them having like to, like, to say something like that. Like, what do you think he asked for? Like, I like... Like, is if, I, if I'm Elon Musk, you're like, oh, so you're saying that there's going to be things that we may see or up there? Huh, let's renegotiate this contract a little I bit. Don't, I don't think it would have gone like that. I think it was, hey, we're going to tell you some stuff that you are not going to leak because here's what we're going to do and here's why it's going to work. I don't know, man. Elon Musk, like, went to talk, to pitch his rocket program to the Soviets and they laughed him away, like laughed him away from the table and the dude solved like major mathematical, like rocket problems on the flight home. Yeah. But also dude's kind of bad at follow through. Yeah, he did. But he also like went on the Joe Rogan podcast and literally pulled out like one of the biggest blunts ever and just smoked it <laughs> on there too. Like, I don't know if this guy, like I think if the government's going to look at to shake somebody, this dude's going to be one of the most difficult people for them to shake. I don't know. I think that they could make his life pretty damn hard, and that's not something that he wants right now. He wants to be able to continue to try to progress humanity, as he puts it. True, um, which I think is an ace up his sleeve, because one of the things we've always said is the reason why I think that, like, you know, you can't have some of the best of the best working on a lot of government projects is because, you know, if someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson would, say, disappear, like, he's probably not working on stuff, because if he would disappear, we'd all know. Like, if Elon Musk was up one day just disappeared or you know, had an accident in the shower, air quotes. Like, <laughs> I think it's going to be more highly noticed. I think this is something that he would know. But like, I, I feel like Musk would be a good person to bring in because he already has a history of working with the government. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they would consider him, if you're going to bring in a genius-level person, him to be one of the safer ones. And he's probably going to be like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get a tour of Area 51. Yeah, probably. And, honest, and honestly, probably something like the guys from the movie Armageddon, where he goes, and I don't want to pay taxes <laughs> ever again. <laughs> like, I can imagine him having them over a little bit more of a barrel, I think, than the average person. But comment below what you guys think about the whole thing. Elon Musk. Do you think that they filled Elon Musk in on anything? Do you think that he probably, what do you think he got out of the whole deal? I want to get your guys' thoughts and opinions on that before we get into, uh, before we keep going with the rest of the episode. But okay, you ready to get into Project Sign? No, Project Stargate. Oh, Stargate. Got drunk. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry, we've been doing a lot of government projects. Yeah, we have. Um, so yeah, so today, guys, we we had our episode where we got the guys from Infinite Rabbit Hole on. We talked a lot about the movie Minister of Goats and its relationship to um, the Stargate project and what we and what we thought. Uh, and we thought that we'd keep the conversation going a little bit with just with me and Vic, so we can kind of give some of our our other thoughts on on. On Project Stargate. For our discussion, I ended up reading uh, Memoirs of a Psychic Spy by Joseph McGonagall. And I believe you read something. As yeah, I read uh, Phenomenon by Annie uh, by Annie Jacobson, uh, which is a really good book, and I highly recommend it. Both of these books are on Audible. 
uh, which makes it way <laughs> easier to power through something. We really books. should get sponsored by Audible. I did some looking into it. It's really easy. <laughs> That's why everyone's sponsored by Audible. Plus, we're like using it all the time now. And we're on, I think you can download our stuff on Amazon. <laughs> our stuff from there. Um, yeah, so that was the stuff that we, and those two books really influenced a lot of the conversation that we had with the guys from Infinite Rabbit Hole. Um, and, I, it, I know your book followed a lot about a guy that went through the program. Yeah, that's. I really didn't anticipate it to be as much a memoir of this guy's life as it was. I thought it would focus much more on Project Stargate, which it did a lot. But I also learned like a ton about just this guy's life, which, mm-hmm. although cool, he had a cool life, wasn't really what I was aiming for. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the, my book about uh, from by Andy Jacobson, uh, phenomenal was uh, uh, it was a huge overview overview look of Stargate uh, because a lot of the documentation from Project Stargate became declassified only within the last couple of years. Uh, uh, well, you know, within the last five years, even after the movie, the many the many standard goats came out. So we got to see a, a lot of the the declassified stuff that came out from that, and it's really, really interesting. Would you recommend your book? I would absolutely recommend my book. I'm like I'm not even fully like th- through the book. I'm like I'm up to I'm up to a, a part in the end where it's talking about like the United States, like and 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 the China and the Chinese relationship, like when it comes to parapsychology, which is weird. Like it's it's taken off a whole in a whole new direction. But yes, I would highly recommend this book. I'd recommend mine if you're interested in seeing what the full life of what it took to be to become a psychic spy, how that affected someone's life, and everything about just one man's story through it. And it it was very well written, and on Audible it was very well read. But if you're looking for something that's more brass tacks, then maybe not. But if you want to get into the nitty-gritty of everything, go for this one. Yeah. And uh, and if you want to look look at something that's like an overall view of like the whole research on you know sci like sci research from like the nineteen fifties to like uh, about the two thousands, then I would highly recommend uh, Annie Jacobs' book uh, Phenomenon. It was just it's just a good read, and it, it it's super in depth. Where do you want to start on our conversation about? Ooh, okay, I feel like. When you're talking about Stargate, you really need to talk about remote viewing as a primary part of it. Because that Correct. seems to be one of the areas where they had the most success in. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely so, agree with it. Let's start somewhere within the remote viewing. Actually, do you want to go ahead and tell that story you keep trying to leak and I keep stopping you? Which one? The one about, like, you know, overlapping groups in the left hand and right hand not knowing what each other are doing. Oh, <laughs> The, the one that you've tried to tell a couple of times on the podcast yeah, already, I keep going, yeah, save it yeah. for the... Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. The Stargate uh, episode. I keep wanting to call it Project Sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'm going to put it. So one of the things that I that I thought was so interesting about Project Stargate is I think when you when you think about the the U.S. government and the U.S. military, you, you have to understand that the different departments, you would think would always know what the others are doing. Like, that's what you think that they should. But in reality, they don't. Uh, so some of the things that would go on during uh, Stargate... Actually, before you go into the story, let's give a brief overview on what remote viewing yeah, is. Yeah, go ahead. It's where someone 
basically views an area they are not currently located at. Usually it involves them writing down notes, drawings, getting their impressions from what it is. But like, say, me and Marcus are doing it. I would tell Marcus a uh, coordinate to remote view, and then he would tell me what is there. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I, you know, if, if really you want to, like, I think the movie, like the mini Star Ghost, I think really did a good job painting, like, what remote viewing, like, looks like. But one of the things I thought was really interesting was, so during the, uh, during, during Project Stargate, it was often that the different different groups of the military, they would always seem to test the psychics over and over again as to see, like, how good their extra abilities was. So I was reading this uh, one particular guy named Pat Price. Pat Price was a guy that the that the uh, the government found that claimed to be in a remote view of his whole life, then he had the ability to do this. So the military brings this the military brings this guy in, and the guy that's conducting his test, he wants to to uh, give him a test. So what he does is they're going to do what's called like a coordinate remote viewing, which is where you give them a group of coordinates, and then you tell the remote viewer what's at these specific coordinates. So what he does, he goes to this other member of the military that he, that he, that he with the intelligence community that he's with, and he said, "Give me a set of coordinates, but I don't want to know what's there." Like, I don't want there to be any way that we can taint this. And the guy gives him uh, a list of coordinates, and then uh, the military guy goes back to Price, and he says, okay, I want you to look at this particular location. And the guy, Pat Price, like, he does his remote viewing, and he ends up describing, like, he's like, I see, like, this particular base. I see these columns that are in there. I think it's a, I think it's a silo. I think it's, I think it's a, mil, a silo in some sort of way. And then he starts describing like stuff within the base. He describes like rooms within the base. He starts describing papers and specific information on that's written on these particular papers. And so the guy goes back to, he, he delivers all this to the, to the military guy that's doing the test with him. And then the guy goes back to the guy that he got the coordinates from. And he said, this is what the guy said. And the guy went, no, that's not what's there. He's like, no, these coordinates were uh, like a lake house that I that I lived by. There's just a there's just a house in the woods. So they initially thought that the program was a failure, but what ended up happening a little bit later was a bunch of guys from the CIA show, like CIA like internal like investigation service never, show up. Never a good sign when they just suddenly no, show up. They show up and apparently, um, what the what Price ended up describing to them was a secret satellite base that was, like, I mean, like, deep state satellite, like, base that was, like, just a couple <laughs> miles down the road. <laughs> and the information that the guy had discovered from, like, on the paper was correct. Like, deep within this base, they have no, and they wanted, they had no idea how this guy would have been able to get this information. They thought he was a Soviet spy. They were ready to drag this guy, but, like, they were ready to throw this guy in jail. And they didn't interrogate Pat Price in order to determine, like, is this guy a spy? And in the end, they determined that he's not. He's just a guy. There's There's been a ton of testing when it comes to remote viewing, both by the government and then by firms outside of the government since. There's actually a lot of groups and even remote viewing clubs. Mm-hmm where uh, one member of the club will go out to a location and put something, and then they'll basically give everyone the coordinates they left it at, and then all the members of the club would attempt to remote view the location to see what was left there. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things, when you talk to remote viewers that I picked up on, is some of them will claim that the bigger something is a secret, basically the, the more people have tried to hide it, the brighter it seems to come through. 
hmm. that when remote viewing, often it's easier to find the things that are hidden or that someone's trying to hide than actual mundane objects. Like one person even um, explained it as in like it glows. There's this glow coming from hidden things, mm-hmm. which I thought was really fascinating. I did too. Like, did you notice that th- like throughout the whole, throughout the entire lifespan of Project Stargate, like no matter what project you were looking at from the 1960s all the way into, oh my God, even today, like the United Kingdom even did like, the United Kingdom even did their own uh, remote viewing research in the mid 2000s to see if that it could be used to, to find weapons of mass destruction, that there's never ending tests for these guys through these programs. Yeah, McGonagall constantly reinforces his frustration on the fact that so many times that they have yielded good, usable information, but yet still were constantly being tested mm-hmm. as if they were not capable of doing it. Basically, before they worked with any outside agency outside of Project Stargate, that they would have to go through a whole new extensive battery of tests to prove to each individual agency oh, that they could do it. You know, and, and they had had remarkable success even in the field. Like, you know, remote viewers were used to assist with finding, like, hostages in Iran during the Iran hostage situation. They found down planes numerous times, you know, for the Air, for the air Force. Every single time that these groups of guys, or women for that matter, uh, were, like, put forth as the way in order to help, it is just a slew after slew of tests. Which... Oh, I'm certain with what's happened already with remote viewing, this is something that we're still tinkering with. This is something that today we still have projects working on just because it seems like it's legitimate. It's something that when they test, it most of the time yields some form of usable result. Sometimes not perfectly accurate. I think it was like at one point in Iraq, they were trying to um, determine if there are any dangers in the area, and the guy just kept seeing gorillas running through the jungle, gorillas running through the jungle. And it turned out there were gorilla soldiers in that yes, area. Yes, yes, oh, yeah. But he didn't see gorilla soldiers, and they didn't really make the con- connection until it was, like, a mm-hmm. little too late there. Wow. So sometimes the responses will be somewhat symbolic, but still, I would say that's pretty spot on. Why do you think there, there was so much testing that was going on with the guys and, and with the men and women, like, they were involved in the Project Stargate program. Like, even when you have people like Pat Price, the, the gentleman that was, you know, that was being profiled in the book that you were reading, like, why, McGonagall, like, why do you think that there was so much testing going on, even with people that know how, knew what they were doing? Probably a two-part thing. One part being that it is so fantastical that it's hard to believe that it would be usable in a practical way. And I think the other side is lack of expla- explanation. Like, many times when McGonagall, like, at one point he had a person over him who really didn't like him and didn't like the remote viewing thing or any of the psychic stuff. And he kept pushing McGonagall's buttons and kept kind of just trying to piss him off. And at one day he called him in in front of a bunch of other officers, um, took a deck of cards, shuffled it, and said, if you can remote view, you should be able to see what's on the other side of these cards. Sort them uh, between the red and the black. And he just made him do it impromptu as a way to piss him off and he goes through and sorts them and he only gets one card wrong he puts i think it was a blackjack in the red pile and he goes oh my bad i guess it failed let me do that again (laughs) and on his second go he actually got it perfect (laughs) 
and that was actually the last time that guy ever tested him. But up to that point, like he was constantly trying to push his buttons. And as he put it, as or as McGonagall put it, I don't know how I was able to do it. I don't know what mechanism allows me to make this occur. And I think as much as the fantasticalness of it is part of it, that lack of being able to explain the minutia of how this process works, I think that plays a big part of it too. Because think about it, if you're a agency that's not normally involved in this sort of stuff and someone says that you can do it, you're going to be like, how? And when you can't give the how, they're going to be skeptical and then they're going to want to test it themselves to confirm it works. And I, I would really say that's a big po- a big portion of it. Well, and I think through, through a lot of the course of Project Stargate, you're dealing with like the United States government. You're dealing with people that, you know, in high levels of government and high, we're dealing with high level like intelligence, like members of the CIA and the DOA, like members of the intelligence community. And it's their job to know certain things. And if you know things that they don't or they don't know how you know this particular information that you have, I can imagine like remote viewers being like a huge security threat to a lot of these guys because throughout the 1970s, you know, you're, you know, 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, you're terrified of like the Soviet Union and their own side research that they're working on, or you know, and throughout. And I think a piece that's missing through the book that I was reading is the number of Soviet spies that is discovered by the United <laughs> States government. Like through the whole course of the book that I was reading, like the ladies like, and the guys that are being interviewed, like, I don't know why these guys don't trust us, but literally there's like dozens of Soviet spies in jail <laughs> that they caught that was feeding information to the United States. Like, so I think that's probably in the back of the mind of so many people that deal with this sort of thing. Let's go ahead and take our intermission because when we get back, I have a story of something going on remotely, but it's not just viewing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll go ahead and we'll take a we'll take a break. We'll go ahead and put up another um, a commercial for the guys from the different rabbit hole because we love them so much. We'll give you guys a we'll be right back after this commercial break and we'll kind of talk about a little bit more of the stuff on remote viewing and Project Stargate. Welcome to the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast. Let us be your hosts and your guides through the world of the strange and the misunderstood. There is an entire world that parallels our own, and with your help, we can uncover the truth and break the walls of our dimension to expose the reality that lies on the fringe of our existence. Follow us into the worlds of science fiction, cryptozoology, the paranormal, extraterrestrial, fringe medicine, psychological anomalies, and everything in between. Our show is available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Now, strap in, hang tight, and open your eyes, ears, and minds as we dive into the infinite realm. All right, and we are back. So you re- you ready for this? Oh, yeah. Okay. At one point, McGonagall's trying to get on military disability due to some damage that he had sustained earlier in his life. He goes, applies for it, gets the test, and as he puts it, if they can screw you out of it, they're going to. And the doctor basically is refusing to acknowledge uh, his disability due to, uh, like, I-, I think it was a shrapnel wound. And so he leaves, and he goes back to Washington, and he's super pissed. Just super, super, super angry about this guy. And then a few days later, he gets a call from his superior officer being like, you better have a damn good explanation for what you did. We are, I, I should be sending military men to kick down your door and drag you here right now. Since we're friends, I'm letting you turn yourself in. And he's like, what, what are you talking about? He's like, you know what you did. And he's just like, no, I have no clue 
what I could have done to really get this sort of response. And he's like, okay. And he comes in, and he gets a story that, um, according to the doctor, that the day prior, McGonagall had entered his office and just kicked his ass. <laughs> Up one side of the building, down the other, just beat the snot out of him. McGonagall was able to prove he wasn't even in the same state at the time. So he's left kind of being like, what the heck happened? <laughs> I, I think there's an obvious theory here. <laughs> I think he psychically projected over there and kicked the guy's ass. Maybe even maybe he wasn't aware of it, or maybe that's his little wink. I don't know about it. But maybe subconsciously, he was so angry, he projected there and in a physical way beat the snot. Because the guy thought, he didn't think that it was like a psychic projection or a ghost of him. He thought the guy was literally at his doctor's office, and beat him up. I think, though, if we're trying to get on, uh, if we're trying to get on disability, you'd be like, what makes you think you need to be on disability? You'd just be like, well, I think I can, like, psychically, psychically project my, <laughs> my mind in, re- in remote view. Like, just being honest about what you could do might convince them that, you know, you're crazy enough to need disability. But that's an interesting possibility <laughs> there, though. That that's true. If one could accidentally <laughs> do this, like, if you're trained mentally, to project your consciousness into another area, it's another step to say that you can physically manifest yourself there now. Especially accidentally. That's where it gets a little scary. But I thought this might be something fun for us to chew on for a little bit. Can you imagine? I think that also, too, might be a little bit about why so many people in the upper echelons of the military might not wanted to have believed that these guys could do the things that they could do. Because if you're trying to counter some of these things, can you imagine having to, having to worry about like people being able to like psychologically project themselves into rooms to attack people or if they concentrate on you enough, they stop your heart. Oh yeah. Like some of the Soviet experiments. Yeah. Or they could just, or they could just peer into, you know, into the most like deepest, darkest vaults to get America's secrets. Well, once again, it becomes complicated because these people who are doing these projections can't explain how. If you know people are capable of doing this, but unable to explain how they're doing this, how do you protect from it? And yeah, like, the answer is you don't even have a building place to start. It's yeah. being done through unknown phenomena. Like, how do you stop? Like, how do you stop these sorts of things? Like, how do you stop people from doing this? I, I don't have a necessarily an answer for this. I don't know if the U.S. government has an answer for these sorts of things. So, I mean, that, that's got to create like a huge sense of paranoia to so many people about that. I would assume by this point, if they did continue their research into it, a lot of it has been geared towards how one is capable of doing this. And if they've come up with an answer, maybe they've managed to come up with a means of stopping it. But the problem is with us as the public, we, we don't have a groundwork to go off how it's done. Like what they're doing now with like cyber? I think, oh, or uh, even just how psychic projection is done. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, absolutely. What? <laughs> One of the pro- one of the programs I thought was really interesting was in the seventies. The government was having to uh, come up with this concept of of okay, so we accept we, we have to accept the possibility that maybe s- psychics can know where our bases are, but what we might be able to do is be able to hide where our actual nukes are. So one of the things that they did was they started building dummy nukes and they would move the real nukes around secretly so that. The Soviets, even if you could like use spy planes or psychics or whatever to look at these things, that maybe they wouldn't know where the actual real nuke was coming from. Uh, so one of the tests that they did was they they came up with this idea of well, can can we try to figure out because the Soviets are doing something similar? Um, they thought that 
uh, cockroaches might be a way to figure out how to monitor for these things because apparently cockroaches are drawn to nuclear weapons. Oh, okay, okay. I, I was giving Marcus quite the look when he said cockroaches. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, like the people in the military were like, no, we don't want to use psychics. We want to use cockroaches because if we if we count the cockroaches in the air, we might be able to see to be able to, to, to guess and project where they actual were. And then the psychics in Stargate were like, no, we could do it better. So they had a contest between cockroach okay, psychics versus cockroach cockroaches. count. Yeah, psychic <laughs> versus cockroach counters, and the psychics won. <laughs> That's, they were able to dig, dig it, but like I think it was like the seventy percent guesses, like with the cock using the cockroach method, and like the psychics were able to get it well into the upper eighties, lower nineties, <laughs> and it just pissed off so like many people. Seventy percent accuracy. Counting cockroaches, I guess, is actually kind of impressive, I mm-hmm. guess. I, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. You know, I just thought that was just so, like, just so, like, I could just see somebody that's, like, a huge skeptic being like, no, we don't need it. We don't need, we don't need to use psychics. We, we can we count, use cockroaches. They think that they're sounding so serious <laughs> in the conversation. This is just one strange idea trumping another strange <laughs> idea. I, I know. This is just the weird stuff that your tax dollars get got spent on in the 70s to try to figure out. Oh, it'd probably make us cry if we knew how much. Oh, my gosh. It's so hilarious to me. I just, I just couldn't. So, oh, my God. Oh, God. So, I, you said it was around an 80% uh, accuracy with the remote viewers? Yeah, like, like, like mid-80s to low-90s for the guys that they, that they tested for this. That's pretty impressive. I always thought it was interesting the sort of people they brought in to test for these subjects. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what a thing, like, you know, like the movie The Minister of Goats that it, that, that movie tried to, like, show is that it was all military people. Like, that's the thing the movie did. And it's not, and that's not true. Yeah, McGonagall specifically talks about, and the way he portrayed it, it seemed like he was in the first round. Mm-hmm. And he pointed out that there was even one enlisted man. There was only one in his whole group, and he seemed like he was surprised they were there. There were two he pointed out only two real groups that there were two women and one enlisted individual and the rest were like people from officers corps and things like that like even in, in one of the programs that i saw they i mean they had like some like serious like legit and like i think there was a navy seal trainer that they brought in in one group of people so i mean there was like legit people that were like high up like within the military that could claim to do remote viewing all the way down to just random people off the street like pat price pat price before they brought him in you know what he did for a living he sold Christmas trees. Oh, yeah. I, I actually <laughs> noticed a trend of a lot of these guys had kind of weird jobs. <laughs> yeah. The Pat Price, who's one, of the, who's one of the big people in the Stargate project, sold Christmas trees. <laughs> and that's how they found it. That's, well, actually, technically, he found them. but Because um, a lot of people apparently approached Project Stargate with claiming that they could do these sorts of things. So, again, you want to talk about paranoid like, you know, you're in the military, you have this project where you got to use psychics, and then peop- random people, by the way, come up to your department saying, oh, yeah, I know how to uh, remote, like, remote view and have psychic powers. I thought it was interesting how a lot of the time, random people from the street were about as accurate as the people who were already professing to have powers. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, if you look at the, uh, the, the if you look at the uh, st- study that the U- UK government did, like, in the early 2000s, the control group actually of people that random people that they brought in did better than the actual proclaimed remote viewers. Yeah. It seems like it's the sort of thing that all humans have the capability of doing. It seems like you don't really necessarily have to be specially gifted. 
it almost seems like the training is more important than okay. anything innate. Okay. My thought on that, though, is at the same time, if you're the military and you have a person that is capable of remote viewing, if you can keep that a secret, you're I th- you're going to. I think uh, if, if they have the option, I think that they are going to try to keep it secret. Because even, like, if you look at Andy Jacobson's book on phenomenon, stuff is, was, a bunch of stuff was declassified within the last couple of years. There was still a bunch of stuff that's still classified. And I know this could all be just a misinformation thing. Maybe it does require someone with a very specific gene or a very specific mindset, and they're just trying to blow smoke to try to uh, obfuscate that possibility. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you look at, I mean, if you, if you, we were talking a little bit earlier about like, how do you, how do you hide if you have these things? One of the ways that you do that is you don't necessarily tell if you can who you have and how good they are at it. You know, I think that there's there's a little bit of that element to it, too. If you can hide the people that you have that can do this sort of thing, you're going to. Like, just given that option. I mean, just knowing the U.S. military, like, just knowing militaries and how governments work in the first place, they're going to they're gonna try to keep it close to their chest, I, I think. So I know I expressed my thoughts on this earlier. I wanted to know what your thoughts are. Do you think our government is exploring remote viewing still, or do you think this is something that they've passed on, like in, in instead using satellite imagery and stuff like that? I think that they are not, okay. I don't think that they are leaning as heavily onto it as they needed to in the past. You know, with how, with how technology works now and how easily like, we can use satellites and drones and things like that, and we can put something anywhere literally in the span of, like, the amount of time that it would take, say, like, in the 70s to get somebody to a location to be able to do one of these remote viewing tests in the controlled environments they needed to. But then now we could put a drone in that area to do the exact same sort of thing that these things can do. I think that they probably are trying to utilize these guys in maybe other ways, like maybe things underground because I know that they can use them that way. Cause I, uh, you know, like some things that we can't do, like, you know, you can't remote, like you can't use satellites and stuff like underwater, like for ships and things like that. Yeah. I, I was actually going to say, I bet you we're using them more so now, not less so due to the limitations of our technology, because I mean, we can't always get information on what's in a building, what's in a briefcase, what's, in a in a like say gallon drum and things like that Mm -hmm. i think that they probably use them in conjunction with already existing mundane technologies like satellites and drones but i would bet that they're still very interested on being able to get that find find information even if it's only 90 percent accurate what i will say is i i think that they probably never gave up on trying to figure out how to train people and how to do this sort of thing if they can create people that can do this sort of thing, because if there's ways that they can create people that are more loyal to the, to, to your particular government, you're going to do that. I don't think that's ever going to change in people. Like that was something that honestly let the CIA was very heavily, like at the same time that like um, project Stargate was going on, um, you know, and how much they were pushing for trying to collect information using like things like drugs and chemicals and all these other sorts of things. I, I, I guarantee you that they are try, still trying to use some sort of, like, way in order to train people to do this sort of thing. Oh, no. I I, I, I would stake money on that this is an ongoing, taken-serious project. Because 
If you have something this fantastic that yields results in ways that our technology can't, you invest money in it. Mm-hmm. You, you find a way to make it work. You find a way to understand it. And I would bet they've come a long way since, like, the people who worked in Stargate, like, were aware of. They probably know, at least have a grasp of why it's done or how it's done. Because I, I think that they're still using them because, you know, with all of our technology, the, the thing you can never do is you can, you can never... You can't hack a person. Or can you? Probably not. Probably. You can apparently remote beat someone up. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. But you can't. um, But any sort of device that you sort of use can be be screwed with and that sort of thing. Like a a person, but they'd have a much harder time doing that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. You know. um, And... You know, like if you look at like 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 a lot of modern modern security guys, like when they talk about the ways that like to, to protect your passwords, one guy was like, write it on a piece of paper because <laughs> you can't hack that sort of thing. <laughs> so like you know, if you still if you if you start on paper, you're never going to be able to hack that. Now, but a remote viewer could. That, that's a good point. You know, so that I think that sort of thing is probably a reason about why they would keep around people that can do that sort of thing. I know we're getting shy on time, but there's one more thing I wanted to discuss here. Mm-hmm. The differences between the American psychic programs and the Russian psychic programs. Oh, yeah. Where the American programs seem to have been more geared towards information gathering, and the Russian programs seem to have been a little more geared to straight-up psychic murder. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what's your thoughts? Ugh. I, 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 I think that that's true. I think that you know there was a lot of uh, a lot less uh, ethical considerations that was going on during the Soviet <laughs> Union during a lot of the Project Stargate era, and I, I think a lot of that had to do primarily with I, I I think that the the Cold War and the threat of nuclear destruction probably weighed heavily. Like on the on the minds of a lot of people, like when you're under constant fear that in some way, shape, or form that you know your country may be destroyed, that's going to push you to extremes on 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 what you can do. Like in this sort of like Cold War, like side warfare thing that was going on, you know, for like the United States, you're trying to it's a it's a they're playing a game of information gathering versus you know the Soviet Union, they're trying to increase deterrence, uh, you know, and the things that they can do in order to keep themselves safe. Was it deterrence or asset removal? I think it's deterrence. Eh, I can see that. I mean, if you have the, I mean, because at the end of the day, if you're the Soviet Union and you know that you and and other people know that you have the capability of doing this, uh, to them, I think that's going to leave them feeling safer. That no one's going to be messing with them, knowing that they have people that can do these sorts of things. Do you think there's any truth to the experiments of uh, Russian psychics starting fires kinetically over a distance or stopping hearts? No, the stopping the hearts thing I think was true. I mean, I know Nina Kuklikov or Kuklikov, Nina Kuagula. I can never pronounce her last name. Right? I, I know. I was actually trying to avoid saying it. Yeah, myself, she. I know I can't say you it. know, I know that she in the '60s was capable of being able to stop a heart and suspended an animation and, and other people that were around her. Assuming that it's not saying that was staged, which I, and I've seen the footage. It's pretty fascinating. It was insanely taxing on her. Mm-hmm. Insanely, like the remote viewers. Some of them express, yeah, it can be tiring and exhausting, and it takes mental effort to do so. 
hers put her in like intense physical pain and fatigue during much of the time. Well, it seems like if it's something that humans can do, that's might be the extent of how far we can push it at the moment. Well, for the Soviets, they, you know, their investigation in the side research was very under this concept that like the humans have like this aura or they have this around them and they have this like energy field that's around them and you can manipulate this particular energy field, you know, to, to do things or to screw with people or things like that. And I, the, the kind of effort that it would probably take for, for you to mess with that probably is probably, is, is probably insane. And I know there were people, I mean, e- even all of the things that like the Soviets could do, all of the thing, these same things were reported by the Chinese government well into the eighties that what they were pointing claiming that they had kids that could do these sorts of things. Interesting. Want to get into some of that in the uh, extended segment? Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh yeah. I can talk a little bit. I can talk about that a lot. So, um, what are your final thoughts on Project Stargate? Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. If we are not still trying to learn how to harness this, we're being dumb. These people have proven themselves. Yes, there's errors here and there. Sometimes you see gorillas running through the jungle when it's actually gorilla fighters hiding in the dunes. But uh, this seems like something that's effective if I had more spare time and desire, I might even go and take one of these classes. I'm not going to because I'm not that interested in being able to spy on people, but I think it's fascinating that there's classes like that out there. But I would almost guarantee you this is something we're still utilizing. I think that, you know, of all the stuff in the paranormal, psy, like psychic stuff, like telekinetic stuff is stuff that I genuinely believe in. I mean, it's stuff that I really believe that it's out there. I think that humans are capable of doing these sorts of things. I think that the, you know, post, post-World post War II, whenever the United States really started getting serious and trying to find people that they could do this sort of thing, that could do these things, and then how these things could be utilized, I, I, I think this is stuff that is... I think this is some of the most fascinating stuff. Now, the stuff that I that I really want that I really want to know is why this stuff is kept so classified, like why this stuff is so kept in the dark. You know, like why like why do we hide like why do they seem to hide a lot of the capabilities of, of some of the stuff that people that can do and you know you know when you look at like statistics and stuff like on humanity like like. You know, like seventy percent of Americans believe in some way, shape, or form about something paranormal in some sort of way, but for some reason, the government still seems to hide people, what people can do. I think I have a potential response for it, but let's save it for the yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's that's the part that I that I that I really at this point in the game, I'm really trying to wrap my mind around as to why these guys would be hiding this stuff so much in the shadows. But I want to know your guys' thoughts on that. Why do you guys think, you know, if you guys believe in it, why do you guys think that this stuff is kept so covert? Why why is it kept classified? And also, if you guys have tried Little Kings, let us know your thoughts on it in the comment section because mm-hmm. I actually rather like them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. If you guys like this episode, don't forget to smash that like button. Let us know that you guys appreciate it. It's one of the best things that you guys can do. Leave a comment. Leave a comment below in some way, shape, or form about what you guys think about Project Stargate, the episode, the channel in general. Um... If you're somewhere where you can leave us a review, please leave us a review. It helps the channel out so much when you guys do that. But until next time, guys, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening.
All right, guys, we're going to slide into the Pillow Talk segment of our podcast. If you want to check out the rest of this awesome podcast episode, all you got to do is go over to our Patreon and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. You guys can get to experience the rest of this podcast as well as bonus episodes that we put up on our Patreon exclusively for our patrons. And if you sign up for $2 a month, you get to vote in our monthly poll uh, where you get to have an opinion on what our monthly topic is going to be. Because still right now, Giants and Nephilim are currently winning for the month of May. But all right, let's keep going. Let's keep talking about Project Stargate and stuff in the Messiah research. Let, let me give you my response real quick. Sure. I think that one of the reasons why, if the government's been able to confirm this stuff is real, that they're still keeping it hidden from us, is mm-hmm. that they don't want other governments to be aware of how useful the paranormal could be. I have a hard time believing that, only because I think that other governments are very... I think at this point in the age of technology, they are very aware of this stuff at least post world war two from the nazis i think that they know i think that they know but yeah like say that we reveal that there are psychic spies and they're fully capable and that we've been using them successfully for years mm-hmm. yes china priority knows russia priority knows certain other countries already know but small countries who may not have tried researching this yet will now be aware of it and those are countries that we can't go and snatch up their talent from I, I, I just, I don't. I think you're not giving enough credit to other, to other places' governments. I think even this, even if you look at like some like smaller governments, you'll even see a, a richer tradition of combining the mystical with the political. Like I still think you'll see that, like even in smaller.